and welcome to Grounds Patrol, a Newgrounds Creators podcast. My name is Will Comer. I am your host, and this is quite the episode today. It's going to be a big, long, fun, in-depth interview with Crinkles and the Swain, two Newgrounds creators I look up to in a huge way. I am not going to ramble too much past that right now in the intro. I kind of want to just go right into it. But I did want to shout out really quickly all the people that listened to the previous episode and might be here because of that. The Madness Roundtable before this got a lot of listens. Like, I'm looking at it, over 6,000 listens and counting. And for my little baby podcast, that's very exciting. (laughs) So yeah, thank you for sticking around. This is going to be a fun one. So here it is, folks. I got the chance to sit down and talk to Crinkles, a.k.a. Matt Jolly, creator of Madness Combat, and the Swain, creator of series like Blockhead and Mastermind. When you sit down with these guys, there is so much you can talk about. I mean, this interview could easily have been eight hours long. (laughs) But luckily for you guys, neither of us had that sort of time. So we got to talk about kind of the best hits. You'll hear us start talking about the game Madness Project Nexus 2, which they've been working on for, oh, I don't know, six years now. And then we'll kind of dovetail between that and talking about their individual series and just about anything else we can wrap our heads around, guys. They are sharing a microphone. This is Swain's voice, Crinkles. Hi, hello. So you will hear them kind of come in and out as they talk about their individual things. They are sitting together in their office in Philly, which is a super cute image. (laughs) And one more fun thing about this interview, as a thank you for being part of the last episode, I actually was able to invite Simbarine and Kelzad to sit in during the recording of this live. So they were listening, and they were occasionally throwing questions at us. It was really fun. All right? Enjoy. The, the order of events is typically Matt produces the content, the hard visual stuff, the models, the, the 2D stuff, basically everything except for the audio work, which we have our, our buddy uh, DJ Lochner yeah. is working on with us, right. um, and, and, and Cheshire as well for uh, half the music at least. But other than that stuff, if it's visual, with very few exceptions, some like particle effects are me. Yeah, you do um, all the particle effects, really. Yeah, just because it's, it's just easier. I, I just I kind of have a grasp of it. But, You're like um, right in there too. Cause... Yeah. Um, yeah, so like finishing details. But other than that, Matt's producing the, the real hard raw stuff and because of that that means he has to make it before I can work with it I do Mm -hmm. what I can with placeholders but ultimately I'm always the last one to touch the game before any particular build goes out which is why right now I'm I'm working on the final boss fight of the game of story mode and uh, because I have all the content I need for Matt to do that he's wrapping back around and going back to the beginning which is to improve all the stuff that is just sort of sat idle for years untouched and unimproved and finally getting to that right a lot of that comes from uh, okay so like since Swain gets this stuff at the end of the work pipeline too like I uh, when I put these assets together and give them to him and like I see it in the game the way it's supposed to be uh, like by that point like you know, I realized like maybe I could have taken a little more detail at certain points and maybe spent too much time detailing things that don't matter or um like alternatively like just notice noting that i have to make this many things sometimes i'll skim over parts that are more prominent than i thought they were um and and plus plans change like we hmm. we know what we want a boss to do and we're like oh holy shit what if uh what if this guy uh like like uh hive for example um one of our, our larger bosses that you fight um he's this like cybernetic half uh like half living organic half machine robot rocket launcher man and Ooh. um but he also keep talking all right he's, no, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's fantastic is that buttons unbuttoning i hear or is that a zipper i, I can't anyway <laughs> uh, he, he's also an incubator for uh, for these like creatures that we call hive slugs that he spits out hence the name hive and mm. we had all these little ideas for what this fight was going to be and it completely changed uh like very little of it remained based on our original concept for this character for anything other than the visuals which of course he stuck with that and looks fantastic mm-hmm. uh, but he mm. was uh, he was not supposed to stick his cane into this electrical thing and let out like, no, that a, was an idea an we had as he was moving around right yeah he wasn't supposed to have these wires that would connect the back of his neck to the ceiling so he's actually a character who's also part of the stage uh, like he's integrated mm-hmm. into it um, there are these little details that seem like nothing but 
those are still things that when we have the idea, Matt has to go back and after the fact produce the content to mm-hmm. realize that vision. So and yeah. we never know. That's that's just the way this is. We we kind of make this game by the seat of our pants. Yeah, make a lot of rough sketches, a lot of notes, uh, throw yeah. it out there and kind of think about like like as it starts to come together, that's when we get all that whole like uh, hey, wouldn't it be cool if and Right. Then, and then ball up the notes and throw them away and start over with new better ideas, but that's right. the, that's our process. God, how great is a small team, right? Like that's something that you could not do if you're working with twenty people. People if you can stand working on a game people. for six years, then you are 100% correct. And, and it, it, is, it is tough. There are downsides to this, but it is nice to have full control. Right, right. Uh, Maneuverability is nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys are, it's Wild West over there. You guys are, you, like you said, the, you have to work on it forever because there's basically nobody doing it, but you can do whatever you want. You're talking about playing a game and saying, ooh, it would be cool if the guy could do this thing. And then you straight up turn the computer on and go make it. That's awesome. That's, that's true. Freeing. But of course, it's hard to be that passionate about something when it takes you like eight hours to like three weeks to do that. Like, wouldn't it be cool if three well, weeks later? I think, I think that's also <laughs> a, like a big part of why yes. this process has taken so long because we've we've reached a lot of those wouldn't it be cool if moments. And then we kept we, we chased it down, entertained it. Some of these ideas are like you're just gone they're on the cutting room floor now because they have to be yeah Yeah, like for whatever reason it wasn't as cool as we thought it was you know like or or there wasn't worth the time investment which for the first like five years yeah uh until we hit 2019 we we just sort of followed every whim that sent us down this path of wouldn't Mm. it be cool if and Mm. and that was good the game is what it is because we we had that like open-minded bright-eyed enthusiasm right uh but the downside now of course is that we're looking at year six Mm-hmm. We we started yeah. working on the proof of concept for this game in like 14, 2013. It was October, November of twenty thirteen. We right, uh, yeah. I spent the summer twenty thirteen learning Unity, but not related to Madness, mm-hmm. knowing that we would get into it afterwards at some point, and that's when that happened. Then we started working Six on the years. Kickstarter in twenty fourteen, yeah. and here we are. How how old are you guys? Can I ask? Thirty-eight and thirty-seven. I'm I just 37. turned thirty-eight uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago, and I'm, I'm trailing behind just a little bit. We're talking about like your mid thirties has been this one project. Yeah. Well, early thirties also, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early thirties, mid thirties. I was I was thirty two when I started this game. Think about that. And I'm thirty seven now, yeah. What a chunk, man. I know, but to be fair, this is this is the game. This is this is the when I say game, I mean this is like the job. This is what you are expected to do. I yeah, yeah, I can't really think about it as lost time at any measure because of the things I've learned along the way. Like mostly like this mastery of Blender and like mastery in a loosest sense. Like I like I know Blender way more than I do now. That like that is to say if we needed to read build this game uh like let's say it's all gone and for whatever reason we actually rebuilt the whole game it would be much faster yeah because i can i can pass for a, a professional c-sharp programmer now i'm not saying i am one but if you give me the turing test i think i could uh, no no trick yeah. some experts maybe that's my favorite yeah. thing like now when someone asks me what i do for a living and i say i make games i, I don't feel like a liar yeah right exactly <laughs> right we it's i guess we could say we've made a living in the sense that there was a time that we had the paypal open mm-hmm. and we kind of like subsisted on that but we've closed it and it's been almost Mm-hmm. We're going. We're in a couple months. It'll have been a year that we've had the PayPal closed. Right, right. Just no, yeah. no new capital, and we haven't really sold the game. We, I mean, we haven't tried to. Fair to say, but we're right. trying to keep it as closed as we can uh, up until the point that we make it live on Steam, and that's going to happen in the next couple of months with the proper push of media. We don't want to like yeah. daisy this thing and say like, "Hey, yeah, no, no trickle out, none of that bullshit. No, no early oh, access Jesus, forever. No. no, that will be. That's like the greatest fear. The longer you work on something, you don't want to release it into a trickle and have it go nowhere. That's so much time. Or, or Early access needs to be not feature completion, but bug testing and improvement, it, mm-hmm. it, which is what it's for. It's to get impressions of, well, all right, early access, to be fair, on Steam is there so that developers can get an assessment of what their potential consumer and market base expects out of the game mm-hmm. so that they can direct the production. kind of, like, fit it. Yeah, you know, it's... It, make it a little more of a bespoke game. Right, yeah. And early access is not supposed to be used to fund development. That's sort of explicitly stated mm-hmm. uh, for Steam partners, is that's not really what it's supposed to be. And if you're looking to use early access as a way of funding your project, and Steam gets wind of that, they can shut you down. Not that they will, but they're they're within their right to, because it's, it's plastered all over their terms of service. Right. So, mm. you know, we're... We're developing, but we're also we have people who have keys. Uh, all of the Kickstarter and the time that we were doing the PayPal, um, so we we have uh, plenty of people with access who have been invaluable in helping us test. Oh, cr- yeah. But was- early access for us is going to be bug testing. That's when we finally get there. It will be a quote unquote finished game, and Good. the the viewership, the the fans of Madness, people who are discovering the game for the first time, who buy into it on early access, will go into it knowing it's a finished game with problems. Help us solve those problems. Right. So. Yeah. That, that's the expectation, anyway. That's what we're shooting for. Killer. 
Yeah. Before we keep going, I want to go into the audience room and tell them to get in here because I think they're all waiting for each other at the same time. Audience asks questions. I think they're just now realizing that we've been going. Yeah, even though our little microphones are blinking. Exactly. Here they are. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. We're gonna. They're gonna be responding to us in the audience chat because they won't be able to talk. But that's cool. Now we got. Now we got the people. I didn't want to keep going without. They're gonna be like, so when does it start? <laughs> like, oh, it's uh, it's over. Sorry. Yeah, we're we done. did it. Miss the yeah. window, kids. Go Oops. home. <laughs> it's another cool, Grunts cool, Patrol cool. apology. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not apologies yet. That'll come later when I'm a established content creator, uh, influencer, and I can make bad statements and then apologize four times for them. Right, when Twitter users go back and read all of your old out-of-context Twitter posts from 10 years ago. And hey, remember that time you dropped a slur? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, remember that time you were a kid and you were an asshole? Oh, oh that was me like three weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. Guys, what's your... Do you have any plan for after this game is released and after you've set up all the promo for it? Like, is there end in sight for you at all? Um, do you mean as far as the end... The, what we'll do with this game or what we'll do after this game is is we're washed our hands of it and we're like moving on? After you guys have washed your hands of that, you're moving on and there's no more promo to do. Are you going to take a vacation? Are you going to sleep for three days? Yeah, a, I mean, a vacation will be great, but it's but it's one of those vacations where, like, every time I... I'm, I'm from Miami, Florida. Matt is from Colorado Springs. And whenever we, like, go our separate ways for the holidays, I'm I'm in Miami for, like, three days before I'm just sitting around at night and my wife's in bed and I'm, I'm a night owl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm just kind of, like, watching something, whether it's freaking strong bad revival stuff or whatever right, and i'm just like just haven't seen <laughs> yeah i'm like while. yeah and like oh that's funny hey you know that reminds me of some idea for project nexus and then i text matt and then he's like oh yeah no that'd be pretty cool what if we did this and no. it's, it's hard not to constantly be brainstorming so i know that even in spite of a vacation maybe even because of a vacation i just fully expect that we're going to be brainstorming the next game right like it could be like as long as a month where we just like don't touch anything unity related and we kind of just research what we need to because yeah. uh, i understand that like whatever we do next is going to need like me to understand normal maps and uh, other materials like that to a greater degree yeah um, think basically things that make 3d modeling uh but in a game sense like not pre-rendered stuff but oh, right. but yeah but like live stuff to make it just look good yeah. You guys are inspiring, man. You've been doing this for six years, and when the question is, what are you going to do after it's over, the answer is, oh, something else. More, the next yeah, thing. more games. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah look, at, look at Fulp. Well, like, I mean, I Fulp was doing uh, Castle Crashers for, I always thought they only worked on it for like two years. but That was like the only time we heard about the, it. Right, that's when we heard about the game, and I started paying attention was the last two years, the whole beard thing with Tom. Right. I'm not shaving till I finish the game. And then he was so he had like a year and a half long beard, yeah. Exactly there. All right. Um, and that was after they'd been working on the game for, I, I, I don't want to misquote, but I think it was somewhere in the vicinity of five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and bearing in mind, of course, most of the reason for that is because they made the, the damn game in Flash, which is ridiculous, but here we are. Yeah. 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 Whole game. Coded in action script like two. Fuck that. I can't imagine. <laughs> Tom is a maniac, but he gets shit done. I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't. I definitely don't want to spend five, yeah. six years on a game, whatever we do next. Kelset uh, says it was. It might have been Action Script 1, which is totally possible. I, I know Tom never learned 3, but mm-hmm. um, I, I get confused. I, either way, it was it was one of the ASs. And, right. Yeah, which is it's ludicrous either way. When you guys promote this game, is the plan to have it linked tightly to Newgrounds, or is it going to be a separate entity that... You will say on Newgrounds that it's there, but it's yeah, it's it's well, still or madness is like pretty much Newgrounds grown. I would like to very much like pronounce that that connection between yeah. And I mean, Tom helped us out in the Kickstarter as well. Like he mm-hmm. he jumped in through himself and through Newgrounds individually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, financially they've they've they have supported us, and it may not it doesn't yeah. follow the same rules as you know say a sponsorship would. Mm-hmm. Um, taking a Newgrounds sponsorship for you know a, a Madness cartoon or any any kind of content for Newgrounds. Just like professionals. I can't think of a single series that is more tied to Newgrounds and Madness. It's like the mad it's like the mascot almost more than the other stuff to it's, me. It's it's almost as old as as the portal, yeah. 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 Um, I just looked it up cuz I've been curious. Yeah. Since 2002. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when that's when Madness Combat 1 came out, yeah. Yeah. And uh Marshmallow Madness shortly before that. Yeah, it was like 2001, the end of it. I I can barely remember. Right. Matt, how does it feel to be working in the same series for 17 years? (laughs) It's it's just my life now. Um, (laughs) Good, because it's not going to (laughs) stop. Yeah, good, because it's not going to stop. Yeah, it is and will continue to be. Right. Um, I mean, like, it's... 
Like, I don't even think of it as, like, something separate that, like, haunts or chases me around or anything. It's just, like, always there. The background radiation of something that I need to think about or do. Yeah, it's like I like cooking. I, I So I'm going to be cooking. You always got to yeah. eat, and Matt's always got to create something, and madness is there. Yeah, like, I'm not going to suddenly start stop lifting weights, so right. I'm not going to suddenly stop being into madness, so... Right. It's not like he's been trying to get out for years and, oops, we made a game. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, think, I think I'm speaking, like, you know, facetiously when I say, okay, here's the last one, guys. You know, yeah. I, it's like, right. what, I've been saying that since Madness 4 or 3, 2? Shit. Yeah. We all know better. Yeah. <laughs> so now that you're working together and you're play- you've been doing Madness as a little more of a collaborative thing with the game, I'm wondering if, if maybe this is driving you to get more people involved in the actual making of the core series, too. I know that right now, Seth, that caps you, helps you do it. And oh, I would absolutely love to get more people involved in the animation and the uh, uh, sprite-making process, because like, it, it's daunting to make so much stuff. Uh, I like handling the animation stuff myself. Like that's my. Uh, I think that's the same with anyone who does these animations. Like That's the most fun, uh, to just mm-hmm. move them around and think of creative ways to get the blood all over the place. Um, it's just like... It's such a slog to get through the sprites, the backgrounds, like, uh, not so much the animatics or even if I bother with those, which is rare, but, uh, it's, it's something that I want to do, like, in the coming cartoons, as soon as the next cartoon, that little short that I've posted about on my Patreon, um, but, uh, I'll be reaching out for new character artwork and new backgrounds, pretty much, like, at an increasing pace as time comes. When do you think you're gonna cross the threshold between reaching out to people and actually having a core team from the very beginning. Oh, Lordy. Uh, I can't think that far ahead, but I, I wouldn't be against the idea, uh, especially as I might find myself more embroiled in animation or in game development as time moves forward. Yeah, because Madness, yeah. Mad- Madness is a pad- a passion project. It's not like... Right. Like, the, the game is... We're doing the game because we, because we want to and because yeah. it's important to us. Uh, madness is that too, but it's a little bit more difficult. I ask anyone, and I'm sure you realize that mm-hmm. selling a cartoon—not that Matt's even trying necessarily—but right. but selling a cartoon is very difficult to do. And and the whole Crinkles brand has been creating these cartoons out of enjoyment and love for the content. Obviously, that's everybody knows this, uh, and and it has been that way since uh, since it started. But that also kind of limits the the access Matt has to help. Uh, yeah, to help. Right. First it, off, they tough. have to be people yeah. who want to help for free because Matt's not trying to necessarily profit from this. Some some change yeah. here and there on the YouTube channel or whatever that that'd be great. But yeah, I'm demonetized on YouTube. Um, right. But like, it's like any time I get uh, artwork from Kethic or Sethic, I, I I throw them like some money. You know, yeah. it's I can't. It, I have like a hard time asking people to work for free. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. so that's right. That that does right away sort of hamstring an attempt to make it a larger production. Is that mm-hmm. everybody has to work on a schedule where we depend on each other, but and, for free. Yeah, but also for free. Um, whereas Matt and I, with this game, know that there will come a day where we sell it, and we both of us will own this game fifty fifty, mm-hmm. right down the middle. Right. I don't own. Like I don't own Madness. I don't. I don't touch it. It's not mine. But Project Nexus is both of ours. Right. And from from you know whatever whatever we sell it for, we split it mm-hmm. and. Totally Hopefully, the grand amount of that will go back into the company mm-hmm. so that we can continue developing games and actually pay people to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not, this is like livelihood yeah. stuff. Yeah, not not go off the, the fumes of passion from other people who are inspired by Madness <laughs> and would love to help Matt make these cartoons, mm-hmm. but it's not realistic because it's because it, it's a job it is work and mm-hmm. and you would be expected to work with matt the way that matt needs you to work and yeah. you're, you now have a boss who's not paying you anything so that's, yeah yeah that's that's yeah. that's the stuff that shies me away from like because you know it, it's when i it's i can't be bossy and say look i need it particular ways uh, the art set up in this way the music yeah. set up in this way the this that and the other so now yeah. a bigger a bigger patreon that went towards like you know like a large team that's one thing but even so now you're all that time that you've been spending animating is now going towards wrangling and supervising and making sure that you're, you're directing now. You're not just creating. Right. So yeah. some of some of what you contribute gets lost in the mm. bureaucracy. Sad fact, but that's that's just what happens. Or you have somebody that is in charge of the Patreon and in charge of the community and dealing with it, but then you have somebody else on your payroll that's doing that. It all works back into the money thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. I, it just blows my mind when I think about it that this is a series that you've been working on for so long, and it's still been a you series, an identity to you thing. But I guess it has precedent. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of like Homestuck with Andrew Hussey. Oh, it's like that's a series that like is the size of a giant continent, but it's still like it's him. It's all him. And the fan work and the fan work is kind of a big part of what supports that too. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Like when you when, when you look up that stuff on the internet, like it's mostly fan art before you actually get to Hussey's work. Yeah. I always wonder about that. Like when you see these guys that like, like I, I watch one of my guilty pleasures is the, is the TV show Supernatural. And it's been going <laughs> for something like 14 years or it's hitting its 14th year. It was only supposed to go for three, I think. And they pushed mm-hmm. it to five and it became so popular that it just kept going. And these two actors, Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki, aren't, aren't in anything else. Not anything significant. And they're fine actors meant to play these like goofy caricatures. So it doesn't seem like they, they can do very well. But they're both very talented guys who've done like nothing that anybody really cares or knows about. They have a huge following at, at Supernatural-themed conventions, which are a thing. Mm-hmm. And yet, right. they've been doing this for 14 years. They are Sam and Dean Winchester. It's so weird to think that these guys have... I mean, they've, they've cut their teeth on this. They, they, they became famous from this, but it's never, it's never turned into anything else. It's just been Supernatural for these guys. And I don't know how yes. somebody could just go with one... I, like we're, I'm, I'm like vomiting myself to sleep every night because we're like we've been working for six years on this one game. Mm-hmm. These guys have been doing it for 14 years. I, I don't, I just don't, I don't understand how someone could find <laughs> the gall and stomach to to like weather that and to to like the internal fortitude that it would require to be like, well, I'm an old man now. I've been doing this my whole fucking life. Here's my there photo goes, album. There, there goes my youth. You know, the one thing I did That's the whole time. Exactly how I feel too. Like at yeah. a certain point, it becomes chiseled on your gravestone it's mm-hmm. like this is your thing that you did and it, it always i always feel a little bad wondering if they secretly feel bad about it and they wish they could do other stuff because for all we know they don't feel bad about it and for all they know they're super happy to be identified as this and yeah right like satisfied by it like, I, I fucking I hope like so it, yeah maybe they got like a rich personal life this and this point. is just what they do to hold the bills up right yeah maybe they've yeah. got like hour-long days or something like and they just go home and like follow down their <laughs> hobbies and interests yeah right an hour, like, like an hour and make up <laughs> do some shots go home play with the kids you know right, right like a game show host basically it's like i've been doing the game show for 20 years because i do it three hours a week and i can live my life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and dude up until like earlier this year we were for this game putting in such ridiculous hours both weekly and also taking weekends to work just to try yeah, that, to push that, this out that nonsense started like sometime last year we we're like hey but what if we worked on the weekends and then yeah. and we did and it was productive but it ablated us down to this like level of mental exhaustion and and like mm-hmm. not depression at all because this work is still fulfilling but mm-hmm. this feeling of no matter how much we shovel into this black hole it's always hungry for more work mm-hmm. and it's never finished even right now as we're at the boss of the game I'm, I'm coding in and working out the behaviors for the final boss of the game, and I still feel like, despite the fact that this is literally the end of the game, it's still never going to get done. Like, I still can't help shake that feeling yeah. because I have six years of feeling this. Yeah, I love talking about, like, the how do you keep a passion project afloat for so long when it goes hate. for so long? It's like... You when do it with a lot of hate. Yeah. It seems like when you're not doing it, when, when there's a lot of money involved, it becomes a a company and employees and bosses and you're accountable to the people who are accountable to people who are accountable to people. But for a smaller thing like this, it becomes a matter of it's only sustainable when you're mentally sustainable. Yeah. And yeah, like, oh yeah totally. We, uh, we, yeah, yeah, we, we learned a hard lesson in that at the end of February. Yeah. What was that about? It's really just that when I say mental exhaustion, there came a yeah. point where like I, I hit this huge snag with unity that basically took me three weeks to fix one single bug, but it's a single mm-hmm. bug that's inescapable, not our fault. It's not in my coding. It's just, yeah, it's an issue fine. with unity. Yeah. And, and this kind of thing happens when you work in a project, uh, in an engine or a platform like unity and upgrade it over the course of years. This is a project that's existed since, like we said, 2013. Unity 4. Every, yeah, Unity 4. Every time we upgrade a version of Unity, and you're not really supposed to, but we've had to because of deficiencies and, and insufficiencies with Unity to produce the game that we needed to, every time yeah. you upgrade from a previous version to a new one, there's always a chance something breaks. And not necessarily because the code that I wrote or the models or versions that Matt used for his for his artwork. Oh, yeah. Not Not necessarily just because those are no longer compatible and they have to be like updated but because something deep within the core of the way the program runs can't quite read the data that used to be there and then everything shits the bed and that was that's what happened and after a three-week interval of working on one single bug that's almost a month of my life spent trying to fix one tiny tiny thing every single day for upward of eight hours and i i was just about ready to quit the game i never would but but it felt it felt like it i felt like what is it all worth like what's this all for Something is going to happen. Something's always going to blow through, and some fucking tornado is going to tear down our monument, which is this game. To the to the last six years of work we put into it. Mm-hmm. Bugs are so detrimental to a small project because they can directly affect 
your mental sustainability. And anything like that that happens is one more notch that could lead to you not doing it. And when you're not, when there's not bosses and bosses you're accountable to, it can be something like that just drives it, drives a stake into it. Yeah, and it's, it's and it's not the like it's one thing if it's a bug where I say I did that and I can figure it out. Like, why is this guy when I pull the right trigger, uh, or right hand trigger? Why is he shooting from the left hand too? Is another one I just I learned about. So okay, cool. Well, I know that's something that I did in a system that I created. I can track it down. I can fix it. I'm not stressed about that. But when the core engine yeah. that you're depending on is hitting a game breaking moment, that there's nothing you can actually do to get around it. It has to be fixed. And by the way, yeah. I never did fix it. I found the perfect way to sweep it under the carpet so that it doesn't actually become a problem um, <laughs> for anybody but you in your head when you play it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like imagine it this way. It was basically deleting an enemy that needed to be despawned. Needed to be despawned. It was required. Yeah. Um, was causing the game to hard crash and not even consistently. Um, and it's only when the sequence of like three things all happen to be true in a situation where this, it was true and needed to be true in this case. It had to do mm-hmm. with like the physics engine fucking around with the, with the garbage collection system where, your, uh, where the program gets rid of uh, information that no longer needs to be stored in memory. And mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff is automated with Unity, but um, they've given a lot more control. But it would be like, let's say that if you had a car that you're taking to the junkyard and you're trying to junk it. By putting the car in the junker, you know, the thing that turns it into a metal cube. Um, yeah, by doing that, let's say that breaks the that breaks the machine. Okay, so something inside the car is breaking the machine. Because if I, if I pull the engine out and I pull the fuel, the fuel injection system out, uh, now the car crushes fine. Okay, so there's something wrong with this. That's basically what it was, was I had to figure out how to strip away all the little tiny things that could be junked, leaving behind the things that couldn't be despawned because it would cause a hard crash. Um, it was it was something like that that's so deeply rooted at the core of Unity that I, I have no influence over that. It's not my engine. Yeah. And it took me three weeks of constant work just to uncover this one problem and that was so morale shattering that i i basically despite the three weeks it took to fix it i basically spent the first week just like hey matt don't even don't even bother coming over i'm just i'm just gonna be in my fucking pajamas waking up at three in the afternoon like drinking my coffee miserable looking at the screen it's like don't even i'm not even gonna be like a pleasure to be around so you need a week of withdrawal at this point. It, yeah, well, it kind of it kind of was, and even so, well, I'm I'm like I just need to be in a better headspace, so I'm taking a week off. Yeah, I still didn't take a week off. I still casually had Unity open in front of me, and would say, okay, today I'm just going to test this. Today I'm just going to test that. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to solve the big problem. I'm just setting up these tests and allowing them to run, and trying to change the the way that my mind frames it. That's so dangerous when you're your own boss. It's just like trying to find ways to take a break when you're still. Yeah. I find that even with Grounds Patrol, which is a, I made uh, two of them a month. There was a point where I was considering doing once a week. And as much as that doesn't seem like that much extra work, it's just um, how long would I have been able to sustain it before getting tired of it? And then when I got tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird feeling when you hit that wall. Yeah, just doing it twice a month, or in this case, every two weeks, I could probably do more if I wanted to, but it's a matter of spacing it out so that there's as little danger as possible of me just getting tired of it and not wanting right, to do it anymore, the and then nobody stopping me from just stopping it. If you were going to go start a new project later on down the road after this, what schedule do you think you would set for yourselves knowing this? We've talked about like a year and a half to two years. Um, yeah. And like, be a lot more stringent about the game Bible that comes like before the actual development of the game. Yeah, something um, Mind Chamber taught us about the game Bible. The the strict set of rules of things that you cannot surpass, that this is what the mm-hmm. game is, mm-hmm. and you, you can't go past it unless you're somehow under on time budget. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea of like kind of fencing in the work that needs to be done rather right. than just like running amok and then getting lost for years. Wait, that's fascinating. What is this? idea i want to know more uh, it's of the game bible yeah um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just the, the general it's, the concept of your game uh, it's effectively like writing the game the rules of the game like before you actually make the game like yeah. getting all your concept art together like knowing exactly how much of how what you need yeah uh, and how the characters and how the how the rules are set up so that like when you sit down and say let's make a game you you, you know exactly what you're doing it's uh, it's effectively conceptual storyboarding is what it is mm-hmm. yeah so you you know what the expectations are that you've set for yourself before you go in and say wouldn't it be cool if 
yeah, well, wouldn't it be cool if this game also took six years to make? <laughs> no, no, it really wouldn't, so let's not do that. It, yeah, it's effectively just knowing exactly what you're doing before you get into it, because mm. it, it, while it is fun to just get in there and start hacking around, like sketching or modeling, and in, in, the, in the very artistic sense, that's liberating and free, but like mm-hmm. for large structured projects, it's good to know where like your bases are, and like that way, halfway through the project, you're not like, hey, but what if we had a new game mechanic? Like You're just like, F off with that, next game. Yeah, you know? yeah. especially in a game like what we're going to do next that would require more than just the two of us but like Mm -hmm. artists and programmers that are depending on our guidance it's easier if we all have the same expectation going into it Mm -hmm. and even if matt and i are outsourcing ideas from other people uh, as a part of this team it's still at the core of it going to be the both of us coming up with the game like we're it's going to be our game at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we would like if the people who are either being paid to do this or getting some sort of equity out of it Mm -hmm. it would be better if they knew what the direction is the vision uh, crystal clear as we can make it uh, in yeah. advance. Right, right. And how big it could be maximum. <laughs> well, that's the idea of like hiring someone because yeah. like you want their kind of creative flair on it, but you you understand that like the rules are set. We don't need any more like uh, changes to the rules. Yeah, not like a modeler is helping you and, and you give them direction, sure, him or her direction, and they come back to you like every 15 seconds. Hey, Matt, what about this? Hey, Matt, what or, do you think I should do? Hey, or Matt. they give you like a model like just completely different. All the things are broken apart. They're like, hey, look, I made his outfit. Like you could take it apart and make all these different things. He's like, but we don't need that. You yeah. Know? Like we right. don't need yeah. that functionality. Yeah, but, that's a good but wouldn't example. it be cool if? And he's like, no. You know. Well, yeah, because by doing that, now you've, you've, you've dictated that the programmers now all have other features that they're being required to produce mm-hmm. just to utilize that if we even wanted that concept in the game right, right and it, it all just trickles downhill like mm-hmm. like most sewage <laughs> so like, does so like yeah yeah having a game bible pretty much says that like let's just say the the game bible says this character has this many parts and is interchangeable thusly when yeah. i sit down to make a character like the structure is there the mold is there i just have to like fill it with art content um, yeah. there's no ambiguity i don't have to like make anything up aside from the art itself the word feature creep was important for me to learn at one point. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that your what ifs could turn into a lot more work. Oh, if yeah. you, if one have, day you yeah. have a, a game in mind where you're a stick person who jumps and can walk left to right and shoot a gun, which sounds like madness combat now that I think about it, but <laughs> you do that for one day and then the next day is, well, what if there's an inventory system? Yeah, what if it was full multiplayer MMO? What if it was, yeah, what if it was an MMORPG? With microtransactions. Give me that yeah. battle royale, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, good, you might have been able to develop this when you were still talking about the stick man moving around, but guess what? That project is dead because you tacked on too many things yeah, onto they, it. Yeah, these things interact great. with each so other. So easy. Right, there are things that require a level of, of preparation that you cannot, you strictly cannot add on later, yeah. and, and not the least of which is networker or LAN, like like mm-hmm. multi, multiplay. You can't you can't just take a game and slap on multiplayer. Well, like we, I've set up this game in such a way where in in Project Nexus, you still are able to... It's a squad-based system with controllers. I, I don't mean like inputs like joysticks, but controllers that dictate that a person that walks around on the screen takes his prompts from either keyboard input and mouse from the player or from a, a sort of AI system that interprets the environment and then commands the person to move around. There's still two people being pushed around by two sources of, of input. AI yeah. or player. All I had to do was make it so that a, a second player can get his inputs from a literal uh, joystick, like a, a Steam <laughs> controller, controller, Xbox controller, whatever, plugged into the computer. So now we have multiplayer. But that's yeah. only because I planned for that, and it's still only just local. Like like multiplayer working with packets? No, not you can't. It just doesn't work no. that way. Kelzad says, "Yeah, that's cool and all, but can we add fully functional VR gameplay?" <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Let's. Right. Let's actually. It would be just as easy to say, "Hey, this is cool," but you should have some scenes where you're now in first person. Actually, we've had people say that to that, us before, no, that's, that's a good and we laugh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good example of like, we laugh at that. Yeah, that's a good example. Go of make like it for us. We'll talk on. about. It. Yeah, yeah, right. And obviously, the fan base who are like, "Hey, it'd be cool <laughs> if people could be first person." Sometimes it's like, but what they don't that? have access to the game Bible, yeah. but that's why we also don't. You don't listen to the to the enthusiasts yeah. because they don't know. They don't. They don't share in your vision. Mm-hmm. It's easy to have ideas and to say that they're going to be good. Yeah, yeah, no, you yeah. Get those all over the place for free. Yeah. Hey, Simbarina kills that. If you have any questions, feel free to launch them at us because we're we're reading your stuff. I want to make sure that you're included here, too. To be fair, we also know these two guys, so yeah. they end up, they have a direct line to us, so if they're really curious about something, I feel like they might have already asked us. This is true. Yeah, yeah I talk to enough. these people from time to time. Yeah, but for the sake of entertainment and also making us sweat a little bit, it's like, what, 80 degrees in Philly, but I could stand to sweat a little more. Yeah. Uh, if you want to ask us some hard <laughs> questions... Hard questions. Hard questions. Oh, yeah. that's got one for you. Like, when, when the when the Sanford Demos hentai, when is that finally... <laughs> Just kidding, that, all, that exists. <laughs> ask the fans. They've all made it. Yeah. 
It's not, Patrons only. It's not good. <laughs> I was, uh, so last episode when I was talking to them, actually, we were talking about the Madness community. And part of the episode for me was realizing how hard it is to know about the Madness community if you're not part of it. Um, Cyber Devil put a review on that episode and I like, I put, pulled a little bit out of it. It's, he said, uh-huh. it feels like my knowledge of the Madness realm is still a bit lacking. All the collabs, blood splatter resources, and common sprite packs, sounds, the test culture, news post groups. I don't even know what those mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, a lot of the animators like to like swap their sprite work, uh, their flash sprite work with each other. Or like uh, dig them up out of other flashes, so that like, like they have a huge resource pool from which to like make their cartoons from, uh, okay. and have the art like readily available to them. Like, because sound effects and stuff like that can be really hard to find. Sometimes people put together really cool like uh, character artwork because you know you got to draw them like what six times, and right. so they'll do that and throw it out there and say, "Hey, make a cartoon with my guy," or you know, uh, is that six six times for each of the directions? Yeah, I left, think left, I right, think forward, like left to right angle. is five, and then one for back, and then you yeah. could have, of course do more like if you're yeah. feeling super thorough. What is the test culture? I have no idea what that could be. Oh, uh, I think they're referring to uh, when you just make, like, uh, an animation being, like, three or five seconds of, like, just a guy shooting a gun or stabbing some other guy. Like a perfect concept? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's just gotten, like, so easy to do. You just get a guy, put it next to another guy. You're learning how all the the layers work so that, like, when a sword is swung left to right, it goes behind the guy. Uh, More or less just to show people, like, hey, look, I could do the thing, you know, like, where he swings left and right, or I could make the head come apart and, like, swap out the symbols. Um, And it's it's fun to do. Like, I I made a test when I was on my vacation last time at, like, my parents' house because I had flashed on this old XP machine. And it, it's it's fun, and I ought to do it some more, but I keep just kind of getting stuck on larger projects. Yeah. Sibarine says test culture is just people making test animations. Like, yeah. no one's making fleshed-out movies. They're just making test animations. Probably because it's so easy, and it's so easy to get burnt out and, like, plan out something that might suck up months of your life. And, yeah. you know, asking someone to commit to that, you know, it's... Oh, yeah, look at the Flash collaborations, the, like, Pass My Flash type stuff that Lewis used to put together on Newgrounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. watches, like, somebody produces something that's about five seconds long, and it looks like they, they must have spent 15 minutes on it. Mm-hmm. And that might be the case, <laughs> but it's hard to find the inspiration to know where to start. And mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, starting is pretty draining, and mm-hmm. not everybody has the energy to continue it Uh just even after getting your your file all set up the way you want it to and mm-hmm. thinking up your concept and finally putting pen to paper, as it were. Uh, right, it, right. It's, it's taxing. It's not for everybody. And it's pretty intimidating when you're standing next to these greats. Like like Matt has been working on the series for, you know, how, how long now? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these kids are just getting into it. Madness is very, like, puppety. You can take assets that other people have created and sort of still have a chance to animate and make it look like it fits in that universe right but then when you yes. finally get your hands in uh it's it's not quite as easy as maybe you thought it was the depth it can be a little yeah. yeah especially to try to put the content out that looks as good as your contemporaries mm-hmm. are doing the depth once you get people moving around on screen and shooting each other you you have now made something that looks like what everybody else is doing now the next step is actually making something with a little with a little meat in it that you can actually watch for five minutes and as a story with a narrative or at least has some sort of meaning. Yeah. By the way, your Kickstarter is hilarious. There's so many things that you guys can offer to do. Oh, for yeah. Project Nexus 2, I was reading these. The high tier rewards for 600, uh, you can Skype with the team. I, I guess I got that for free. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah, this is promo. It's yeah, a trade. Yeah. 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 Sure, sure, sure. I didn't just... How much, uh, how much was it to uh, get a meal from Swain? I was going to say that. $1,000. Swain will cook you a meal while you play video games with the Crinkles. Travel and lodging not included. (laughs) You can can come over, but you can't stay over. (laughs) It's a play date. You're basically saying for $1,000, if you are in the area, you can come hang out for a couple hours. Yeah. it's. I mean, on top of all the other previous stuff that you get as well. And and that's the thing. Kickstarter is its own weird creature. Yeah. It's not that me cooking you a meal is worth $1,000. It really is just, I don't know, bragging rights that you were able to to whip that kind of cash together that you have that kind of disposable make income on this project. Yeah. To help a couple of developers that you, that you believe in if, if you believe in them. Um, also yes. fair to say somebody had taken that reward, but they backed out. So I, that, that never actually panned out. Not, not everybody who backs you actually full, like follows through with it. Right. By the way, we, we probably I ended up making like, that. I think we got yeah. something like 48. Yeah. It, it was like, we got like 59 or something after, all the fall, like the the one the ones fell through, mm-hmm. and okay. and of that, then of course Kickstarter takes its fees, 
Um, Visa takes fees from every single uh, payment. Right. So it's like a double dip there, and then uh, then we're only left with so much. And then, of course, that gets taxed by like 50%. So. And then 2500 you can design a boss, uh, and then almost $10,000, you become an executive producer, and then you can join them at the rap party, which is, that's a fun, it's an expensive ticket, but it's fun. It, it is, and that ticket was purchased, and, and without... Mr. Uh, executive Producer. Yeah, without that Mr. Executive Producer, this game may not have actually happened. And if it had, it wouldn't be the game that it is now uh, right it had been it had been like eviscerated right from the beginning is this an anonymous person who somebody um, just kind of was a shadow it, i don't money? think it is right no it's a it's a uh, he's a buddy of ours now like i, I like i want to meet the kind of person who uh who is willing to give that kind of backing to a game for a couple of guys they don't know like like right. who is this yeah. person it, especially when like i said um a lot of people were putting in fake backings and also backing out some kid in brazil got like a bunch of fake credit cards and started like backing at five hundred dollars a, a pledge, like a dozen times. Yeah. Yeah. So people are like, oh yeah, awesome. The project's gonna make it no time seventy five thousand dollars in no time. And I'm like, dude, it's mm. like this is all fake money. Like we're not gonna get to keep this. Yeah. This isn't gonna come we out. Didn't, we didn't quite understand that we couldn't take that to the grocery store. Yeah. Right. This is all fake money. Like we, it's not about like he thought that by artificially inflating it, we would get the project no matter what. But we actually need the money to produce it. We need to survive. Right. That's the whole thing about Kickstarter is you have to have these. You have to have the actual amount of money that you're asking for that's what yeah. it takes to make the project you can't yeah. just it isn't just going to magically be made if the number gets reached on the website and, and well <laughs> some people do and that is is it's rampant on kickstarter and always has been mm-hmm. the old i'm not going to bother researching what goes into my project i think i want five hundred thousand dollars pay oh, me pay man. me your money yeah, yeah i'm not going to mention any names because no, i don't want to be shitty not, about but it like, but yeah sometimes you'll see these projects and they'll ask for like way too much money yeah. it's like dude you can no and we, but we broke it down to a fucking cent. What we, mm-hmm. what we believed truly this was going to take, mm-hmm. including yeah. I had people saying, "Hey, maybe it's not a good idea for you to put taxes on the pie chart that shows how much you're going to be paying." I'm like, "Why not? We need to be honest. People need to know how much of this money is not going to go to us." Going, yeah. yeah, the reason I, that we're asking I appreciated for as much that as we you are, did put taxes on it because for me that means less like give me a big chunk of money so I can live off of it in a vague sense, and more like. This is exactly where the money is going to go. I would be more likely to donate based on that pie chart than without it. Yeah, I, I, I should certainly good. hope so. And a lot of work went into that. That that was basically a full-time job for about three months leading up to the Kickstarter. Was planning yeah. for it. It, it. It's weird, but it but it really was. Mm. And that's just what it requires. Not everybody gets that. And even so, we still almost didn't make it. Mm. And that's despite mm. the work that we put into it. That's in spite of the the huge popularity that Madness has and all of the advertising that Tom helped us to do yeah, on no, Newgrounds for the dude, Kickstarter. Dude, like, you were the real MVP for that whole Kickstarter, the way you like put together the video. You put together all the artwork, pretty much. Uh, like, yeah, I think I, I helped out a little bit with like the Hank killing guys through the room thing right. and some additional art. But like, yeah, like you you fucking killed it. It, it. it it had to be done. And I mean, to be fair, if this was like an original idea, not a Madness thing, but just a unique thing, and you and I were anonymous, mm-hmm. then we would not be able to ask for that. We could maybe ask for three or four thousand dollars right. with some potentially playable proof of concept. Yeah, um, we'd, we'd need to be further along. Yeah, but to be fair, we we managed to succeed because of the madness. Uh, you know, the 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 steamroller that is the madness series. Mm-hmm. Granted, a huge amount of the fan base is is young. Um, but then a lot of them were young in 2002 and are adult now and want to see the game succeed now that they've got disposable income. Right, right. It's kind of yeah. a part of their... I was yeah. watching a Madden... I remember Madness from when I was 14 and my dad's... My computer at my dad's house late at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Guys, Simbarine asks, would you guys still have created PN2 without reaching the funding goal? Would you guys still be working at it just at a really slow pace? That's yeah, pr- a- probably, but just, yeah, it would have been a much smaller game. We probably would have made like a small arena and right, right. just released it maybe as like a... I don't know, dollar game on Steam or something. Right, right, because like uh, a big part of the uh, uh, the Kickstarter money went to like me living here in Philadelphia to work with Swain, and that allowed us to get like a, a, a higher quality of work done. Yes, 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 yes. Um, that is to say, like if we if I was back in Colorado and we we're like, well, we didn't make any money, but let's still make this game. We we take up you know jobs and just do this in the off time and put together like you said a much simpler game. It yeah. would have still happened, but. Like it's hard to know all the variables based on this one thing that did or did not happen, but it'd just be so much simpler and not as fleshed out. But like living here together, being able to like scream at each other across our shoulders. Oh yeah, being in the same room, it's it's not it's not overrated. It's it's become mandatory. It, right. I, I've kind yeah. of like disenfranchised to the whole like oh I, I get to work from home and I'm like I I don't know like but I do like, we want to you know yeah I like to be able to like yeah. talk in face to face with the person I'm Good. working with you get to be in your pajamas the only downside is that anything you ever need to ask anybody goes through the time of an email process or something you can't just go up to them and say hey here's a question yeah like, I, I I'm having a difficulty help me out or like what if we did this or I don't understand this you know and and this like. 
that that wouldn't it be cool if culture that we've cultivated uh, which has led to a six-year game. Um, mm-hmm. That is the that is the the edge of the double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, we do get excited in here with our yeah. little whiteboards. Yeah, but that's <laughs> and that's that's the flip side though is that because we are in the same room, it turns into like one of us will will think out an idea out loud, and it turns into this tennis match where the idea goes back and forth in a way that you can't you just cannot do that if you're not in person. Mm-hmm. There's no flow yeah. of conversation via an email. Discord is a little bit easier to do in sort of a chat setting. I just I feel like I'm talking to a robot. But it's not the same. Like, like doing voice chat with someone using the camera. Yeah. Like it, it's it's so detached. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but plus with the camera, I spend so much time. Like, how's my hair? It's my <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I got something in my teeth. Yeah. Oh, don't smile. Should have shaved my this neck. This is interesting. <laughs> Kelzad asks, uh, how much of a hassle was it to create a functional AI for both enemies and friendlies? So some would say that I still haven't. I was going to say that's, that's an ongoing <laughs> process, I feel like. Um, I, I've tried to explain to people. I, I've explained it to a lot of the people in the Madness uh, the you know Madness fan base who are also following the game so that they can help to, dis- help to disseminate this so it doesn't fall on me to always explain it. But... When like from the beginning, we had a very simple AI. They ran at you. They pulled the trigger a bunch of times. We had to start putting uh, things in place to cause them to want to not pull the trigger as often to manage difficulty, um, ha- and also like having the auto aim not really work in such a way where you know characters are just like plinking you from across the map and hitting you 100 percent of the time, and you know basically yeah. making them inaccurate. Um, all of these systems we we started to work on from the beginning were very easy to do. But when you start getting into navigating and tactical decision-making, not just, do I pull the trigger and where are you? Let me face you. Um, when we started to get into that level of complexity, I put a lot of work into systems that, that I felt were functional. And then we'd overhaul the game, and the AI would get a huge overhaul, and none of those AI personalities worked anymore. They, they'd run into glitches, run off of, run off of cliffs, shoot at teammates, or, or just you know generally not behave as intended. And every time there's a significant change to the AI or the game engine in general, including just the general physics rules of the game, the AI doesn't necessarily know how to interpret those until I command them to. So right now, the AI is very... uh, It's insufficient in the capacity we we need it to be by the end. But that's sort of my choice in the sense that we have to finish the engine first Mm -hmm. before we ever go back to it. This is a case of it doesn't need to be perfect. It needs to be shipped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and to be, to be fair, it it is, I wouldn't call it a hassle. I would say that's part of the job. So I I don't think hassle is the right word for it. Um, (laughs) The hassle part, which is why I'm, I'm kind of setting it up this way. The hassle is when I get it to work and then it doesn't. And then I just have to do it again. It's basically painting the floor I'm standing on. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the only hassle. Other than that, um, making functional AI is a, is a charm. I love it. I love watching these characters perform like people. No. Yeah. The very first time we got like interactive mode running and like we'd spawn in like uh, opposing factions and watch them run in and take cover and shoot at each other and interact. Like I, it it was one of many like moments where I'm like, wow, this is a, this is a, this is an enjoy. This yeah. is awesome. Interactive yeah. isn't just like let me play with all the weapons and see what they do. You can do that. Mm-hmm. It's ant farm mode. It's where you get to step back and watch the screen and not even yeah. factor into what occurs. Right. And I, yeah, I totally love that. Yeah. And we're going to be adding a lot more features into that at some point. Besides the uh, besides the AI fighting each other that you guys got to watch, what are some of the pieces of the game that you are most proud of right now? Uh, recently, there was I don't know if this counts as a piece, but it was it, it was really beautiful and it it framed it in a context that I think is does the opposite of working long weekends and having Unity require I spend three weeks fixing one bug. And that yeah. was our, uh, our our buddy, uh, Sean, who is a... He's, our, uh, he's our, our British friend who has been a Madness fan for a long time, but also mm-hmm. has been helping to manage our, our street team. You know, the fellows that try to get our name out there and represent us to the community and basically work tirelessly for freaking free. We want to compensate them one day, but they understand that that's just not an option right now. No, no. And still right. help us. Um, right now, he's been sort of like MIA because he's been working on the, the site, uh, the game's website for us, um, and handling that so that we don't have to because he's a freaking godsend and a beautiful person. He has also been running our Twitter, and he said, "Hey, Swain," on Discord, and sent me a picture from the Kickstarter, which is probably up there now. Uh, of it's a picture of Hank surrounded by like three engineers and four grunts standing in a room with like a couple of crates and like a wanted poster on the wall. Oh yeah, that old one. It, yeah, it's like a very simple shot, and we originally had this shot be like, a, here's a sample of what the game might look like when it's in action. And this is back when characters stood there and aimed at you and didn't do anything, and it's our old models and old rooms, and back then we're like, yeah, I guess this looks pretty good. It looks, looks better. like a game. Yeah, it looks like, it looks like the Flash game, kind of, but like in 3D, so okay, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. 
And he's like, hey, could you, uh, do you still have this room? Could you take a screenshot of these characters in this room but now? And I thought, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't know if I have it anywhere, but fucking challenge accepted. Let's, let's try it. And I found the room. I, I, I basically, uh, I put in all the, like, it was, it was broken to shit because it's one of our old scenes where nothing would work anymore. Right, and the walls were yeah. just cubes. I didn't really have to doll it up much. I just basically created the room as me and Matt would create the rooms now for the game at the level of standard and quality that we would expect from ourselves. And then took a screenshot and put them side by side. And I can find them for you for context. Um, mm. But yeah, like seeing them side by side, I, it, it's so clear where six years of what ifs have gone mm-hmm. to the point that it kind of, there's a lightning of the load on my chest when I see it. It's it's almost like, like when I ask myself, why the fuck am I still working on a boss fight six years in? Where the fuck is all the work going? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you see these two simple pictures side by side, one in 2013, one in 2019, and then I can say, oh, that's where it went. That's where all the time went. Was making making this game that I think somebody might look at and say, "Yeah, I'll buy that." Sure, looks like a game. They certainly probably wouldn't say it looking at the first one, but looking at the second one, totally feasible. Mm-hmm. And and it's not just the visuals; it's it's all the the years of staring at the game as we make it and knowing the, the way the characters behave as they uh, run around the stage doing the things that they do, right. or the way that the player can control their character. Looking at these two things and all the things that the game wasn't compared to all the ways that the game is now, it, it's, it changed everything. It, it, mm-hmm. I, I, I cannot exactly place into words the sort of emotional sensation that comes from seeing where six years of your life has gone when you thought it was, I won't say wasted, but certainly just... Inefficiently used. Spent and missing now, let's just say. (laughs) And then to, like, say, oh, that's where you went. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I know it's a bit long-winded, but this is... It's an emotional state I've never experienced before, not once in my life. A big giant thank you to Crinkles and the Swain for joining me on that. Guys, if you're interested, that picture we're talking about at the end, the before and after thing, I'm going to put it up on the Grounds Patrol Twitter so you can see it basically as soon as this episode comes out. So look for it there. If you want more Crinkles and Swain and you didn't get enough from this interview alone, I have good news for you. We talked for a lot longer than this and I'm definitely going to have some bonus content that I'm going to put on our Discord you can join our Discord server at bit.ly forward slash grounds patrol. Alright? Do you have any thoughts you want to share about this episode? Please leave a review on Newgrounds on this episode's page. I'm actually going to start reading reviews from previous episodes at the top of the next episode. So if you leave a review and say something nice about us, or something not nice, or anything else, I don't care, I might likely read what you have to say live on the air. Fun times. I'm just going to put this out into the world, as I did last time. I would love to be at 100 Newgrounds fans. Actually, right now we're at 94. We just need six more. So if you haven't yet, go to Newgrounds, hit that follow button, and you'll see things from us as soon as they come out. And you'll help support this podcast if you want to. And, uh, you know, I'm gauging how quickly I grow our podcast based on the viewership. So the more you show your support the more this is going to grow into a bigger and bigger thing. How exactly? Maybe you'll find out. (laughs) Guys, again, I'm Will Comer. You can find me on Newgrounds and Twitter at WillKMR. Thank you to Waterflame for the use of his song below. Our next episode is two Wednesdays from now. That's going to be July 10th. Mark your calendars, guys. Until next time, stay creative.